This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright. And I'm Adam Scalina. And Corey, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Yourself? I am fantastic because we have Mayor Lisa Helps. She is the mayor of Victoria, a city that we've talked a lot about on this program. We're both super excited about. We've actually had some people email me and ask me if the show is called the Vancouver Island Commercial Real Estate Podcast. We've focused so much on the island lately, but that, that's where a lot of the action is. That is where the, a lot of the that's action where the is, for happening. sure. And uh, also, we should also be a political show because we have so many mayors on and politicians lately. So it's exciting. We've had the mayor of Langford, yep. the mayor of Nanaimo. Now we have the mayor of Victoria. Yeah. And as you said, and I'm not me, you said, we save the best for last. We've been very, very fortunate there that we've, we've made our rounds around the island. And like I said before on a previous podcast, I can't take credit for it. My assistant, Vanessa, is the one calling and getting all these people to come on that probably would never take my phone call. I could be on her door knocking and she wouldn't answer. So we've, <laughs> we've got her on the podcast. We're very lucky. Great insight on what's happening in Victoria. And she kind of totally. alludes to it unleashing Victoria's potential. And there's so much going on over there. She goes into some areas that are you know, blossoming with development. She talks about the development. She talks about new housing policies they brought in. So jam-packed show, finding out what's going on in Greater Victoria. I honestly, I, I love this interview. I, I think she's very progressive. Very, uh, she very. has a clear vision, right? And and she's actually not afraid to put out a plan, I think, that that might potentially, I think is forward thinking, but might yeah. potentially rub people the wrong way, especially as we kind of tackle some of the older populations in on the island, right? Well, that's where I think she's had such a huge impact because Victoria for a long time was, was it nearly wed, nearly dead was always the, sure. the tagline you heard. And over the past, you know, we can call it six years, maybe going a little bit before that, there's been a very, a very strong movement in the right direction for development. And a lot of cities especially in smaller communities, they look at developers as enemies. But you really realize that when you have housing problems and you need infrastructure built and you need you know sewers and all that stuff, all the money comes from the city contributions that these developers make as right. well as are providing beautiful buildings and great housing options for people. So they've had a very progressive approach to that. They've done very, very, very well. And I think a lot of the hard work that they did in the start of her first term to get to where she is today in the end of her second term has all paid huge dividends. And when you go over there, you see all the development happening and the, the livability Victoria has created. Absolutely. Yeah. Harnessing, uh, harnessing the power of the developer development community, I should say. Yeah. Well, without further ado, Corey, why don't we cut to this interview? Cause it's a, it's a great conversation and, uh, one that I think everyone's going to get some serious takeaways from. Sounds good. Enjoy guys. This podcast is presented by impact commercial. Impact Commercial, John, Allen, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.com. 
.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. Okay, so we're here with the mayor of Victoria, Lisa Helps. How you doing, Lisa? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for taking the time today. We're obviously coming out of, uh, well, hopefully coming out of the pandemic. Things are starting to open up a bit, but how, how did Victoria change during the pandemic and, and what were some of the biggest pain points that the uh, city experienced? Yeah, I mean, just like many other cities across the country, uh, there I think there were two main issues that we faced and, and um, you know, I'll, I'll get to the question of, of change in, in a moment, but certainly was the, you know, really dire circumstances that our small businesses were in when all the health orders starting started to come about close this and close that and so it was really, really a time of uncertainty and and really great precarity for for a lot of people. Again, you know, when when, when you think about small business owners, and, and many of our our businesses in Victoria are small and and local, so a lot of challenges there. Just literally not knowing what's going to happen next. And and I know that that was not an experience that was common to Victoria, but it was certainly uh, hit us hard here. And and. Victoria is obviously a global tourist destination, and so that dried up pretty quickly as well, and a lot of people in those sectors uh, really hard hit. And then the second thing in Victoria during the pandemic, just like uh, other cities across the country, with shelters closing and people who were precariously housed already being told to get out because bubbles are tightening, uh, we saw an extraordinary number of people uh, ended up living outside for, uh, well, some for up to a year. So those were the two challenges, I would say. What's changed in Victoria as a result of all of that is uh, a deeper collaboration between a whole bunch of different folks who might not have been sitting together and a ability to solve problems that we never thought we'd have to deal with in our lifetime. So that was the positive outcome of, of both of those situations that I outlined. Mayor, turning the focus to maybe the real estate aspect of Victoria, over the past five or six years, it seems like Victoria has gone through a major development boom with many more projects coming on board, but also just the livability of Victoria that obviously COVID has put an onus on that. Can you maybe describe from the development side of things what you guys have experienced over that past five or six years, maybe where it hasn't been on everyone's radar, which now Victoria seems to be on everyone's radar, both locally and internationally, from an investment standpoint in the real estate world? Absolutely. We have just seen, as you said, an extraordinary building boom. In fact, last year, 2021, our building permit values were $700 million, which is the highest on record. And just to give you the context of the region, the region's building permit values were $2 billion. So Victoria was just over a third of all building permits in the region in terms of value. And that's been part of what I what I wanted to do when I when I was elected in 2014 is to help unleash Victoria's potential. Uh, that wasn't my tagline. My tagline was simply voting helps because when you got a last name like this, you got to use it. But certainly, um, you know, since 2015, we've been really working hard to to unleash Victoria's potential, and that includes the potential of of housing and, and real estate development. You know, it, it it does go through cycles, and and right now we're in a cycle where there's a crane on just about every corner, and every time you every every direction you look up in, you see uh, you see building, 
I think that's a good thing. We do need to have not only housing, but also high quality office spaces for the many companies that are starting and, and relocating here. So yeah, it's it's been a boom. I mean, we can get into some more details if, if you'd like, but we passed an official community plan in 2012 and, and all we're doing right now is bringing our official community plan to life in, in partnership with the private sector who does all the building. And we noticed a lot of that development. We talk about the cranes and stuff like that. It seems like a lot of that stuff is sort of happening in that Harris Green district, which obviously has a lot more density than now. Can you maybe talk about maybe some projects that have come across your desk in the past few years that have sort of caught your eye that maybe once might not have been something we'd actually see happening in Victoria, which now is very exciting? There were two 21-story towers built by Dave Chard on Yates Street and Johnson Street, so not quite up into Harris Green. Um, And the exciting thing about those projects, one was market condos and one were um, the whole building was below market condos, so for for working people. And 70% of the people who moved into those buildings uh, were Victorians moving out of the rental market. So those those two buildings, I think, were uh, our first, well, our first experiment in, in in going you know high for Victoria. And then uh, another development that's uh, actually I can see it out my window here at City Hall, twenty five stories in the Hudson District, another condo tower. And then what we're starting to see, which I think is is a good thing, is a lot of purpose built rental. And uh, there's yeah a lot of projects concurrently under construction in the Harris Green area, uh, won by Cox Development. Uh, they've actually, it's already won an award and it's not even built yet. It's a, a really beautiful rental building. They've preserved an old funeral chapel on the ground floor and, and it's a, that's a single story building. And so they're, they're building, I wish I could show you a picture of it, but uh, they're building the building to kind of lean out over the uh, over the chapel, probably to maximize floor space ratio on the lot, but also it, it looks spectacular. And then one thing that, you know, another development, I guess you'd consider it in the Harris Green area that's underway right now, which I'm really excited about is the city's fire hall. Yeah. So we're yeah. building a new fire hall and then we've got 130 units of uh, affordable rental housing on top. And it is going to be a gorgeous building. Like sometimes people think of affordable housing and think, well, I don't know, people have associations of what these kinds of places look like. But this looks like it should be, you know, in some international city like, I don't know, New York or, or something. And it's right here in our downtown. So that's exciting to see that coming along. Well, speaking of chart developments too, they also have their project up there at Nest and the Haven project, the Haven being another BC housing project. And I know they have a project coming up sort of right by Townline's properties down there on Douglas there that again is another combination with BC housing. How has Victoria seemed to be on the forefront of that? We haven't really seen a lot of those type of projects maybe over on the mainland side where Chard seems to be really working hard and doing a really good job with BC housing, creating affordable opportunities for homeowners. Yeah, those both of those projects, and I'm so glad you mentioned them. They're excellent. They're different, and I'll talk about the the nest and the haven first. So the 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 haven is, as you said, the below market uh, affordable home ownership project in partnership with BC Housing. I was actually just talking to Dave and Byron Chard on Monday, and Haven is, I think it's 107 units. And they only have seven units left. Wow. Yeah. And the majority, like the majority profession, actually, I should make this into a guessing game. I'm going to ask you guys to guess. So they've sold 100 units. Any guesses to the top profession that's moving into that building? Like, just curious uh, if you can. I'm, I'm going to go, go with legal. Legal professionals. No? Okay, no? that's okay. wrong. Eh. Okay, next. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with educators. No. Eh. Nurses. 
nurses. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I guess yeah. not too far and from the so, hospital. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes, yeah, exactly. Nurses. And and also almost a hundred percent of the people, they just sent me the stats. I haven't looked at them, but they're telling I'm just going from memory what they told me verbally on Monday. Almost a hundred percent of the people who are moving into that building are local Victorians coming out of the rental market. And I think that's really important because what that does is it frees up 107 rental units for for others. So I think sometimes we we don't look at those uh, connections between market ownership and, and rental. We see them as distinct parts, whereas, you know, this project shows how related they are. I'm just thinking about like, you know, and, and maybe this is, isn't fair, but often uh, you hear that that Victoria has a pretty strong NIMBY kind of presence kind of throughout the throughout the city in certain areas more so than others. But has there been a lot of pushback from the community for these developments? Uh, I think there's been a lot of push forward, actually, from people who are in their 20s and 30s who are coming out to public hearings and saying, this is my city too, and I need a place to live. So I think the pushback has been changed to push forward. And I think that's why we're seeing the kind of developments and the number of developments that we're seeing. Another question just about uh, housing, Mayor Helps. In thinking about the last two years, just with the incredible run in the housing market, and obviously affordability is is an ongoing concern, and we've kind of touched on that. How is the city tackling affordability in addition to approving some of these projects? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. We're taking kind of a three-pronged approach to not just affordability, but also attainability. You know, an $800,000 townhouse is not necessarily going to be affordable to somebody who makes $45,000 a year. But an $800,000 townhouse is certainly more attainable for two working professionals than a $1.3 million home that they're never going to be able to build. So, you know, just wanted to, to put that nuance between affordability and attainability. But it, with, with affordability, we adopted some new legislation a couple of weeks ago, allowing affordable housing and co-ops, so co-ops and anything owned by a nonprofit housing provider or, uh, or the government, to basically skip the political process and um, be allowed to be built up to the maximum density in the official community plan as long as they meet design guidelines for various neighborhoods. And so basically to have that as of right anywhere in the city. And that, I think, over the next few years, we'll start to see huge dividends, not only because it cuts at least nine months and approximately $2 million off these these projects, but because it creates certainty for these nonprofit housing developers to get funding from federal and provincial governments. So that was our first big move. It went over very well. It was adopted unanimously, and we're already starting to see uptake from around the region and potentially across the province as well. So that's big move number one, having to do with affordability. But maybe I'll stop there. And then we've got two other big moves that, uh, that'll that make it easier for housing to be built. But um, I don't want to ramble. So talking about other areas too, we talked about the Harris Green District there, about going through a lot of development and also I mean, you have the uh, the Town Lines project there just behind the Hudson Bay. Getting down to the Old Town area there, obviously Reliance came out earlier this year announcing their big project they're doing there on the parking lot and the, and the Capital Irons project there. Is there any other areas that you guys are seeing a tremendous amount of gentrification now come in and the areas are, are improving for the better, creating housing opportunities? Um. Well, I mean, I think that a parking lot is the worst possible urban land use in the 21st century. And so uh, you mentioned Reliance. They've purchased another significant uh, area of land uh, just north of the downtown in the city's arts and innovation district. And they're working through a process right now to rezone. I think it's about six acres 
for residential, light industrial, uh, artist studios. The uh, Victoria Art Gallery will move downtown there. So that's a that's a big improvement to that area. Uh, there's a lot of industrial land use down there, which is good and high paying jobs. And we certainly need industrial land, but a lot of underperforming parking lots and, and single story buildings. So that's that's a really big one that uh, that Reliance is working on that I think will really make a significant difference in that part of town. And then right out the front doors of City Hall and just down towards the water a little bit, there was an old heritage building. It it burnt down and um, and now there's a new hotel planned for there. Again, it's going through the development approvals process. But uh, I, I've seen some some drawings, two different versions. One's maybe a bit high uh, for, for some liking, but um, it's, uh, yeah, interesting partnership there with a local nation, the Métis Nation, and, and a developer to build a hotel. So, I think that'll have a, a good impact. And right now it's literally just a, a burned out site. I mean, it's been demolished, but it's vacant land waiting for something to be done with it. You mentioned there too about the new policy adopted there to get rental projects, you know, up going and, and shovels in the ground faster. And I know coming up is, is Chard has the project there that I think is on Discovery and Douglas area there, whether it is in combination with BC Housing. Is that the type of project there that would qualify for these type of opportunities now put forward by the new adoption? Uh, yes and no. The uh, That's a spectacular project, first of all. Um, and so BC Housing bought the hotel there, the Capital City Centre Hotel during the pandemic to house people who were living in tents. So BC Housing has a 90-unit supportive housing building coming forward that's separate from but related to the charred development. So the BC Housing one, yes, like that won't need to have any kind of rezoning unless it unless it, there's a change to the official community plan, uh, which I, I, I don't know yet. But the charred development, it's a combination of affordable rental, market rental and condos. So it's it's all three. And, and so, no, it doesn't qualify for that uh, that process. But we are trying to move that one through as quickly as possible because it's, it's a spectacular model about what is possible with private and, and public partnership. So uh, I think it's actually I could probably dig out the numbers, but it's it's a good model for, for BC housing as they've you know bought a number of sites, both in Vancouver and Victoria, and they're not going to be single use, uh, single room occupancy motels forever. And I think this one, the, the site that we're talking about at Discovery uh, and Douglas, it's going to have a very large grocery store, which we certainly need in our downtown, uh, a big public plaza, a 60-kid childcare. So lots of amenities, plus I think over 400 units of housing all in. And 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 also I saw a preliminary look at the plans. It looks looks pretty good too. So I think that's the, the kind of thing that we're starting to see more of in Victoria, those creative partnerships that can deliver housing across the spectrum and community amenities as well. Mayor Helps, I, I just want to go back to the, uh, the three-prong approach to affordability because I think we got through one, but um, I'd love to address the other two. Sure. The other two are coming very soon, probably to, well, not probably, they will be on the Committee of the Whole Agenda on May the 5th. And the first is to pre-zone lands in village centres and along corridors for rental housing. So if you're going to build condos, you still need to go through the rezoning process. If you are building rental, then it's considered pre-zoned again, within design guidelines and fitting with the OCP. And so that basically puts those kinds of projects on very similar footing to affordable projects. And that's coming through a villages and corridors planning process. So we're starting with three neighborhoods where we expect to see quite a bit of development. And if subject to council's okay, we do need to vote on these things yet. So that that will 
very, very much de-risk. Well, it'll do two things. It'll de-risk rental housing in, in particular parts of town, and also it'll speed up the process substantially. So that's the second big move. And the third big move is the biggest move of all, again, coming to committee on the 5th and then hopefully to a public hearing this summer because it can't get too close to the election or people start to get nervous, is basically to rezone the entire city to allow for missing middle housing. So that means that anywhere that a single family home can currently be built with absolutely no political process or input from the public, we're going to rezone the entire city to allow for house plexes and townhomes on on all single family lots. Again, fitting design guidelines and accounting for transportation demand, all those kinds of things. But so that is that's the biggest move of all. And wow. I think that could have profound impacts for the city. Because that means, again, if you're building... A home for six families, you just get treated the same way as if you're building a home for one family. And those six family homes are probably going to cost around 800000 And a new single family home would cost $2 bucks, which no one can afford. So that is big move number three. So, so a move to more gentle density, it sounds like. Absolutely. Gentle density in all neighborhoods without a process. Right now, you know, we, we have seen some townhome developments come forward, but it takes two and a half to three years to do the neighborhood consultation, to do the design, to go back to, you know, get more input. To, so it's a long process. And in, in that time period, as you can imagine, all we're doing is increasing the cost of housing to the buyer because, it, you know, labor and material costs goes up. Right. No, that's incredible. So the province is talking a lot about supply and even stepping in at the municipal level or having more influence at the municipal level. Um, what are your thoughts on on recent comments made by David Eby or just the direction that the province is going? And how do you think municipalities can tackle more supply effectively? And should the province be be stepping in? Um uh, well, I think the city can tackle more supply more effectively through the, you know, for example, the three big moves that I've just outlined that Victoria is in the process of taking. If if we do those three things, that will substantially unlock more supply because it just it makes it easier and easier is faster and faster is cheaper. Like those three big moves, I think, you know, then we need to have enough staff capacity to process permits and so on. So. I think that that will really help in terms of what municipalities can do to increase supply is basically let people build up to the official community plan, because that's why we do these planning processes in the first place. Uh, In terms of the province's role, I think the best thing the province could do, and I think this is a very elegant solution, and, and the BC Urban Mayor's Caucus, which I co-chair with Mayor Colin Bazran. We actually put this forward as an idea in an op-ed in the Vancouver Sun a couple of weekends ago, uh, Easter weekend actually. And and, uh, so in 2019, the province mandated that local governments had to do housing needs assessments so that we would all know how much housing we need to build. And these are legislatively mandated every five years which is great because now we know how much housing we need. And they're not done by our planning departments. They're done by external consultants who have looked at the numbers through various data sources and done a housing needs assessment. So I think the easiest thing for the province to do is pass legislation requiring that local governments meet the number of housing units that their housing needs assessments say they need to build. Like that simple, pass legislation and say you must produce this number of housing units by X year and then just leave it to us. You know, if we can't figure it out, then 
maybe, and this is, I think, where the, the stick part could come in, uh, the province could start looking to making infrastructure investments and prioritizing funding for libraries and swimming pools and bike lanes and parks to the communities who are building out their housing needs assessments and and the those who aren't won't get that infrastructure money. And I think that's it's an unassailable solution because the cities that are building more housing will need more amenities for more residents. So that's the simplest thing the province could do without getting into municipal planning processes. And, and I think that that's, you know, I've, I've spoken with Minister Eby that he doesn't want to come in and say, you know, you have to put a 20-story building there or you have to do townhouses there. I think he wants to leave it to us, but um, with a little bit more pressure than we have right now. And I think that's a good thing. Right, right. And and what's at risk in your mind if, if, we, if we don't tackle this affordability issue or if we don't get it right? Quite honestly, everything is at risk. I feel like, you know, I've been in this role for, for eight years and I've been a human being in the world for 46 years and an adult for, you know, I don't know, 26 of those 40 years. And and I have never seen anything like what we're seeing now because it's all related. If we don't get enough housing that's affordable for people who are working in our communities, we're not going to have people working in our communities. And that's where we're at right now. We can't attract staff even to the city, even high paying jobs because there's not enough housing. And we can't keep some staff because if they lose their rental accommodations, there's literally nowhere for them to rent. And this is not just a problem for Victoria. This is a problem across, well, probably all of British Columbia, but, you know, from the BC Urban Mayor's Caucus, it's it's a problem across urban British Columbia. So everything is at risk. Our economies are at risk. Our healthcare system is at risk. You know, if even doctors can't find anywhere to live in Victoria, and it's not sometimes an affordability issue. It's just an accessibility or an attainability issue. Like, is there actually housing there? So, I mean, it's a bit dramatic to say that if we don't crack this, everything is at risk, but housing is fundamental to everything. And yeah, and, and, you know, never mind the people who are already or who are still living outside across many of our cities who also need housing. So yeah, getting the supply and getting the right supply is critically important. And I've, I've never seen it at a lower point. And I've been watching these issues for a while. In, earlier on in the interview, uh, you you mentioned that you you had you not had your last name, you probably would have ran on a on a tagline line of uh, unlock potential. What is the potential? Unleash, unleash, unleash. Oh, unleash. unleash is even better. Unleash, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, what is the potential of of the municipality in your mind? Well, I feel like after eight years, hopefully a lot of that has been unleashed. I mean, that was the that was the first economic action plan when I was elected was making Victoria unleashing potential. And that was a four year plan to begin to, you know, for example, a healthy number for tourism visits in the off season is over 70 percent hotel occupancy. And so we set that as a goal and we achieved that goal. Uh, Vacancy rate in downtown Victoria, retail vacancy rate when I was elected was over 10 percent. Pre-pandemic, it was down to 3.4%. So no, very few retail vacancies in the downtown. And then even after the pandemic, we're still uh, much lower than we were at the beginning of uh, of the term. Uh, we've seen the entrepreneurial ecosystem really explode here. We've seen tech go from being a $4 billion industry a year to a $5 billion industry a year. We're, you know, and I think one of you said at the beginning, seen kind of more as a as a as a global city than we were eight years ago. So I would say that a lot of potential has been unleashed. And now it's making sure that we're running with that momentum and, and really making making space for people to continue to stay in our city and, and to move to our city. And and it, it all does come back to housing. 
And, and what are your your hopes, and maybe a different way of framing that question, what, what are your hopes for Victoria over the next, say, 10 years? That's a great question. So I, I think that Victoria can and should continue to to lead um, on things like, uh, well, housing policy. I was going to say housing affordability. We're not really leading there, but um, but making innovative policy adjustments to to the housing crisis. I would like to see our city five years from now or 10 years from now to have, and, and, and not just I would like to see, but what our plans say. So our climate leadership plan says that by 2030, 75% of all trips will be by transit, walking, and cycling. So we're working really hard to uh, to, to do that. And there's there's an affordability issue there as well. If there's more options uh, than a car, life is cheaper. So that's a big goal. Um, we want to hit net zero emissions as, as soon as we can. And we've got a climate leadership plan to, to do that. We've got a really ambitious and, and uh, interesting zero waste strategy. And we actually just passed a whole bunch of new policy with respect to Single-use items. And, you know, I imagine five years from now in Victoria, there's new businesses that have sprung up with takeout containers and reusable mugs. You know, you go to your favorite coffee shop and you get a mug and you take it back and return it to your other favorite coffee shop. And so those kinds of things. I think we can be a sustainability leader, an affordability leader, and an innovation leader and and make sure that we're kind of punching at our weight or above our weight on the, on the global scale. Fantastic. Well, uh, maybe we'll leave it there, but we do have this segment called the six pack, six quick questions uh, that are kind of lighthearted questions that we wrap the show with. Can you stick around for that? Sure can. The six pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team. These are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. All right, Mayor. First question up. Favorite vacation spot when you can find the time? Tofino. Oh, good answer. What are you binge watching these days or do you have a favorite movie recommendation? <laughs> Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you and my wife That's would so get along. <laughs> Riverdale. If someone puts you in front of a karaoke mic, what are you singing? Oh, that's hard. Uh, I don't know. Something from the 1960s that everyone knows the words to so they can sing along. <laughs> um, a book that, that everyone, all of our listeners should read. Dialogue, The Art of Thinking Together by William Isaacs. Oh, that's a great one. Favorite, this is, we'll do the Victoria round here, favorite restaurant or bar. And we'll let you pick a few because we don't want you to, we don't want to put you on the spot <laughs> to feel like you have to pick your favorite kid. So we'll let you pick a few. Yeah, the Sherwood right across from City Hall, 10 Acres and Shizen Sushi and Nubo Sushi. Nice. Good choices. Two, two sushi spots. and I love, sushi is my favorite food. <laughs> and uh, and finally, something uh, for under $1,500 that you've bought recently that's had a positive impact on your life. Well, my electric bike costs more than that, so that is not the answer. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you know what? I got a, a new pair of boots from an amazing local shoe store, and they are the most comfortable boots that I've ever had in my life. So I've been doing a lot of walking and had an impact. That's fantastic. What well, Mayor helps, um, how can people find out more about what you're up to? And uh, yeah, just anything that you're excited about or you want to share? My website is the best place to kind of loop in. I try and blog every two or three weeks. So it's uh, lisahelpsvictoria.ca, just like it all sounds. 
That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. It was fun. Great. Thank you so much, Mayor. Take care. Yeah, bye-bye. And there you have it, folks. Our interview with Mayor Helps of Victoria. I noticed you're changing the six-pack up on me. This is uh, now you got the karaoke. What song well, is uh, your I'm favorite gonna, karaoke song? You know, I, I'm getting to the point where after I hear you guys, I just cherry pick whatever works well on your show. I'm uh, just going to copy repeat over here. So <laughs> call it call it laziness. Call it call it plagiarism. <laughs> call it whatever you want. It works for you guys. You guys got way more listeners, so we're just going to keep that trend going. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> betting that you're uh, you're a great delegator, and you're you're really. I you've already got this to a point. You just. You take the five wire, you add a question. Yeah, change and it's the done. name. Change it's the perfect. name. Change well, the name. I think a good example was this whole episode here. I was just hanging around here for moral support. I felt like you were leading the charge. You had all the questions going. You guys had a great conversation, and I was there if you needed me, just to jump in every now and then. <laughs> I felt like the color commentator in the connect. Oh, and he hits the post, and I just disappear for twenty minutes. Right, right. Yeah. The difference is you closed about three deals during that conversation, and I sat here with twiddling my thumbs. But uh, well, I'm, I'm worried about all the hype that's going to funnel into Victoria now. I got to get these deals out before <laughs> this comes out. Fantastic conversation. Really enjoyed having uh, again Mayor Helps on the program. Again, super bright, clear vision, yeah. and uh, I'm excited about Victoria and Nanaimo. Again, we talk about it a lot on the commercial real estate podcast, but as you mentioned, it seems to be where a lot of the action is. Well, I'll give you an example, and I, and I my numbers could be off, and we talk a little bit about on the podcast there about the Haven and the Nest Project that Chard's doing up there at the corner of sort of Yates and Cook in the Fairfield District. And the last email I saw between the two projects, and again, this could be wrong numbers, like 250 condos or whatever it was, there was like six or seven left. And they're, and they're, they're, right. they're in the ground and they're building, but these are like 2023, early 2024 deliveries. That sales cycle never existed in Victoria, say five or six years earlier, where I bet you a lot of developers were having standing product delivering buildings and still having 10, 15% to sell, not approaching a sellout when you're still in the underground parkade. I remember about five years ago when we were talking about Victoria and you had said that you're kind of the most exciting area is, is likely that Harris green district. Yeah. Do you still feel that way or what other areas are you? Well, kind of I think, monitoring? I think Harris green district, obviously it was probably a little out in front versus some other areas. So that's probably the area that's slowly going to take the shape fastest. You've got some major projects like Starlight's project coming on. We talked about Chard's project. Jaw residential has projects there that we talked to a little bit about uh, where the fire hall is going. So they're definitely out of the gate. Another area that's having tremendous growth is kind of the old town district down there where we talked a little bit about even chart as a project there. Town line's already in there. Reliance has that massive project coming in. Lefevin Company's already developed a whole bunch down there. You've got other projects coming up there by Dice City. So that's another area that's really, really exciting that's happening. And then also, I think when you get outside of that, you know, look at areas like Sydney. I mean, also that has massive amount of development coming down the pipeline as well. So anything in those areas... I mean, really excited about Harris Green. We made a big bet on that earlier. It's definitely, I think, paid off with how the developments happened. And it's just in its infancy. So, I mean, there's still another five or six or seven years ahead of it for it to really sort of build its potential out. But, I mean, great opportunities all over Victoria. I'm going to put you in the hot seat here and on the spot a bit because if I'm someone listening and I'm, I'm convinced that the island's a good spot, but I'm debating the Nimo versus Victoria, what are you going to offer for advice? Well, I think that you I mean they're they're similar markets, but they're different. Victoria is obviously a much bigger trade area to operate within, and probably a little further along in the development. Nanaimo, as when we had Mayor Krogan on the show, we talked about the new OCP coming into place. 
every time once those get adopted, there's still a little bit of a lag that has to kick in before they really come to fruition versus Victoria's out and ahead of that. I mean, anytime you go into a smaller town like Nanaimo, you are going to have some short-term hiccups. The the vacancy rates will be a little bit higher. They won't fill as fast. Signs of quality of tenants aren't there. So, I mean, I think if you're looking for more short-term returns, Victoria definitely has that opportunity. If you can pencil out five plus or 10 years on something, I would probably go to Nanaimo because it just hasn't had the same lift on the real estate side of it as Victoria's experience over the last three or four years. But in saying that, both of them are still in their infancy. So you can't go wrong either way. If people are excited about this or just getting into the commercial real estate market, Corey, how can people touch base with either you or somebody on your team? People can reach out to us at our Vancouver office anytime, 604-428-5255. They can send me an email, Corey at williamwright.ca, or they can always visit our website, williamwright.ca, and sign up for the latest and greatest news. Excellent. Well, hey, thanks for taking the time today. And thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you back next week with some more great content. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Subscribe today.